Welcome to FIO on the Air, the voice of the festivals and events industry in Ontario. Please welcome our CEO and your host, Dave McNeil. Hello and welcome to FIO on the Air. Today we've got a couple guests in from the Sound of Music Festival in Burlington. Uh, the new uh, executive director, Miles Rusek. Welcome. Hi, Dave. Thanks. And one of the board members, secretary of the Sound of Music, uh, Richard Anderson, who's also uh, one of our SmartServe partners, a uh, dual role. But today we're going to talk about the Sound of Music. Perfect. I'm glad to be here. So, Miles, you're, you're fairly new to the game. How has your first few months on the job been? Oh, uh, exceptionally busy. You know, it's funny. I, uh, a lot of people have asked me when I tell them where I am now, and they go, well, is, that, is that a full-time gig? I'm like, well, Yeah. I think, well, but it's a week-long festival. How do you plan that all year? And even, at, you know, at first for me, it was, well, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but now I'm about four months in, and uh, I can see every moving piece that goes into this thing. There is so much behind the scenes. Uh, so it, it really has been like drinking from the fire hose, but it's been fun. It's been incredible. And uh, you know, honestly, I think for our 40th anniversary, we're on course for some pretty cool things. And, and Miles, what's your background? Like, where, where did you come from and how did you... Yeah, I, uh, so I've, I've spent about 20 years in the nonprofit industry. Um, I used to be a, a board trainer and a board consultant. Um, I was the CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Grand Erie. Uh, so, you know, my, my heart has always been in the nonprofit world. Uh, I've worked on a, a lot of different kind of charity concerts, working with REM and Foreigner and Journey and Loverboy. Uh, but then, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong musician. Um, so like I said, coming into this role, I was CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Grand Erie. Um, honestly, I, I, I wasn't looking for a new job. And then uh, somebody pointed this one out to me, and it was just the perfect marrying of my, my passion with my career. Uh, so, you know, being a lifelong musician, uh, I went to Lakehead University for music. Um, it was just the perfect fit. And uh, from the day I interviewed, uh, I, I just I fell in love with the idea of this role and uh, it's, I was thrilled to get it. Uh, it's been a great board to work with. I have to say that because my boss is right here next to me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been amazing, truly. Well, being a board consultant, I guess they're in for a little bit of a ride now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, uh, I mean, we, we need a lot of consulting. Just to <laughs> say. I mean, good or bad or otherwise, that's one of the big roles of being an executive director yeah. or a CEO is working with that board and the relationship that you have with them, right? And making sure that you're all on the same page and moving the the venue forward or Absolutely. the event forward yeah yeah and that that is a lot of what we're planning on doing is uh so it is our, our 40th anniversary this year and um, the festival is a, a mere 13 weeks away as we record this um so right now we're really focusing on making the best that we can and, and have the best kind of birthday celebration possible after that, the board and I are, are really committed to tucking in on a strategic plan, really defining who we're going to be for the next chapter of the festival. Uh, and I, I know that the board is looking at me to bring that expertise and, and experience to them to help work through that strategic plan process and really strengthen the board as a, a governance board. And, and that's that's kind of the plan after, after the festival. Let's get into a little bit of board dynamics. And Richard, maybe you can walk us through this when you're looking for a new executive director sure. and and the board's role in, in, in the selection process. And talk a little bit about what your board went through when, uh, when you were faced yeah. with finding a new executive director. Yeah, I think uh, the, the important thing to note is you've got 1,200 volunteers that are very much engaged and, and invested in this organization. And it's really easy for them to want to um, 
you know, have a, a bit of a, a blinder on their glasses on who should be the next leader. So we, we realized right off the bat we needed an expert. We needed to go out and bring in a, a consultant, an HR consultant, to lead a very transparent process for us. Uh, because we knew that we may alienate some, some volunteers, and we know that whenever you open it up, your volunteers are also going to apply. So it's a very precarious situation. So we hired a, an amazing uh, company. Uh, they took us through the process. They uh, shortlisted, brought us some excellent candidates. And I can tell you that every candidate we met with was absolutely excited to be a part of our event. Uh, all valued it as a dream opportunity, and we were thrilled to hear that. Uh, that we were highly regarded in the community, so it brought forward some some amazing candidates. And, and further to that, Miles obviously stood out to us, and uh, we're glad to have him on the team. But it's a journey, and it and it has to be taken seriously um, because uh, you know there can always be followed after. And and I, th it's our first opportunity on FIO on the air to have a board member and an executive director together. <laughs> yeah, no pressure here. Uh -oh. Together in one room. So. <laughs> uh oh. So I'm going to put you all on the line. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you see, um, you know, Miles, you talked about going to a governance board. Uh, were you an operational board to start with or a little bit of... Yeah. A I, lot of boards say they're yes. governance, but <laughs> yes. are pretty heavy I, operational. I, I think what we see in, in uh, events in general is grassroots boards, people that join because they care and not because they understand fiduciary responsibility or understand governance or understand how to not micromanage the poor executive director. So I think, you know, uh, it was moved to a governance board the year, be the year before I joined. So I joined this year. Prior to that, it was just a bunch of do-gooders who were pushing their particular agenda forward and, and it was ineffective and it was inefficient and it was challenging for the for the staff so I, I think in moving to governance and and people have trouble with that right because the exciting stuff is to be able to tell miles what color the tablecloth should be when you know the reality is we don't we don't know where we want to be in five years so to get people to think about that strategically is is important and um you know we have new board members they get it and they're interested in having that conversation uh, because it, it is more about direction and, and let the staff do what they do best and, and because I'm an executive director I, I understand <laughs> both sides of it so yeah and Miles you know the importance of making sure that you and the board are on the same page and, and I think we're just taking this opportunity because you're both fairly new to the roles here and and Richard, as you said, you're working with the board in, in SmartServe, so yes. you you know exactly what the I, other I side is. I know what I so don't like. Clear <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. like I, I, I've had simple conversations with Miles, uh, simple like in a, in a meeting, why do we have closed sessions? And why do we exclude our staff members? As an executive director, I hate that. Meaning that I wish I could participate so i have to be careful because my board chair might be listening but yeah. <laughs> I, I don't hate it sorry i take that back uh, so my point is is that you need to engage your staff include them in all conversations and if it's about their performance and if it's about them uh, evaluating them then they shouldn't be there and that's pretty straightforward it just helps with transparency and openness and communication and you know getting things done Okay, let's transition over to the sound of music now. Oh, you're, okay, yeah. You're heading into <laughs> your 40th? 40th year. Yeah. Your lineup uh, is set. I, I've seen a lot on social media. Um, you want to talk a little bit about what... And, and the sound of music is a largely free community-based with gated events. Yeah, so a few years ago, this is five years ago, I think, yes. yeah. what, uh, what the Sound of Music decided to do was to introduce a ticketed portion. It has historically been a, a purely free festival. Uh, but, you know, it, it, 
an admittance of the times. Like we all need to find new and creative ways to fund the free programming that we put on. Uh, and that's when we realized that if we put some additional budget behind a, a ticketed show and really do that kind of top tier programming, uh, we can raise a lot more money that we can then put into the, the free programming to make sure that we have a, a truly exceptional experience. So um, this year being our 40th, we, we did look to a pretty exciting lineup. We really wanted to make sure that we were kind of throwing a party. Uh, so our, our kickoff lineup this year, we've got uh, Bush, Live, The Headstones, Monster Truck, Crownlands, Black Mountain Whiskey Rebellion, and uh, the local boys, the Caster Troys. So there'll be a little rocket going on. Oh, yeah. It, it is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we actually we had the, the pleasure of seeing Live a couple weeks back uh, down at uh, Niagara Falls. And like their, their album this year is turning 25, which is kind of cool, both Bush and Live. Uh, Throwing Copper and 16 Stone, their, their big marquee albums are both turning 25 years old in 2019. You know, this is the first time I've seen live in about 15 years, and they still bring it. Uh, he was like pitch perfect through the entire show, still hitting the high notes. All the songs you wanted to hear were played. Like these guys, I think they, they know who they are at this point in their career. They know their audience. They know what the audience wants and they bring it. And that's why I think with this lineup, uh, it's going to be a party. It is, it's our 40th. We're having a birthday party. It should be fun. And that's what it'll be. It'll be great. You're listening to Fio on the Air. We've got Miles Rustic, the new executive director of Sound of Music, and Richard Anderson, one of the board members and the executive director of SmartServe with us. Back in just a minute with Fio on the Air. Festivals and Events Ontario supports a lively, engaged, and dedicated festival and events industry. Purchase your Festivals and Events Ontario membership today and get a team of people working to help you succeed. Here's just a few benefits that membership provides. Promotion, saving money, networking, industry awards, supplier discounts, communications, skills development, and so much more. So many benefits, so little cost. Buy your membership today. Contact us now, Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. The voice of festivals and events in Ontario. FIO on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. Welcome back to FIO on the Air. Miles Russick and Richard Anderson from the Sound of Music in Burlington are our guests. 40 years, 1,200 volunteers I heard from uh, the first segment. Yeah. Um, volunteering in Ontario and in Canada, I think, it's a dwindling resource. Having 1,200 volunteers is great, but realistically of that 1,200 volunteers, what's the core that you depend on to yeah so um the sound of music festival we have uh we only have two staff uh it's myself and an operations manager and then we do have a, a consultant who helps us with programming as well but otherwise we are a purely volunteer driven organization so within the organization we work with uh, i think it's 16 subcommittees and each of those subcommittees is governed by a chair or a, a co-chairs and a vice chair and uh, the committees will range from four to 15 people. Uh, and I think, you know, volunteerism, it is a challenge because a volunteer brings a different level of accountability with them. And, uh, you know, they, their engagement reasons are, are different. You know, some are purely there to pad their resume, where others are so deeply invested in it uh, that it can be a challenge when, especially when somebody new comes in, because suddenly... Everything that they've done in that whole, you know, this is the way it's always been. And now the new guy comes in and goes, well, hey, you know, let's try something new. Not everybody likes new and not everybody likes change. So, you know, we, we work with a core volunteer group of probably 40, 
easily, yeah. possibly even more. Uh, and you know, these are amazing people who a lot of them have been with us for years. We have one volunteer celebrating uh, a 25 year anniversary with us and he's, he's been on just about every committee going and, and he's got these great ideas. And, um, but you know, again, at the same time, it's, well, we've always done it this way. So, you know, volunteerism, they're, a, they're such a valuable resource and you're right. It is dwindling in Ontario and it's interesting. Um, I used to live out in Alberta where I did a lot of my consulting work and, and talking to organizations then versus now we have moved into, and this sounds really terrible to say, but this idea that, you know, it's what's in it for me. And, and the, the days of even when it came to fundraising and, and engagement through organizations, you know, the days of saying, oh, I take part for my, my brother, sister, aunt, uncle, and these causes, like cause marketing is dying. It just doesn't work the same. So we flipped our narrative to start saying things like, by volunteering with us, you know, you will gain leadership skills and you will be able to add this to your resume and you will be able to further yourself and your own career and, and your own life. And there's ways that you can benefit Oh, and by the way, you're going to help us execute this really important thing that we need you for. So it, it's been a, a very interesting change in, in spinning that narrative, but it does work. Uh, you know, we're seeing that with, with 1,200 volunteers that still come out to help us out and the sea of red shirts at the festival. Um, it's, yeah, it's all in the narratives. It's interesting. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I, I've had a conversation with a lot of people about this, and this is my belief. And, you know, when I express it, a lot of people share it. And, and I'm wondering... You know, as millennials are coming through the school system and they do that 40 hours worth of volunteer mm -hmm. work, and a lot of them are waiting until the very last minute to get <laughs> yes. it done and get their certificate or they're not going to graduate. But unfortunately, I think what you're finding is you're getting a lot of millennials coming out is my volunteer career is over. I got my 40 hours. I got my certificate. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I don't have to volunteer anymore. Yep. And, and, and I'm wondering if it's a good thing. You know, I understand getting people involved and engaged, but... You know, I think part of the challenge is those those uh, high school kids that are trying to get their hours. A lot of organizations treat them with, you know, I'm going to give you the crappy job. You're going to get your 40 hours picking garbage. That That's the challenge. So you have to give them a meaningful experience. And I think if you can balance that, it's important. Some of them don't care. They're glad to get their 40 hours in. But if you want to engage all ages and, and uh, so on, you, you need to be um, a little more caring and understanding of what, what they're looking to get out of the experience. And do you guys partner with service clubs or hockey organizations? Yeah, I mean, historically, uh, we've worked with the, the Girl Guides and the Boy Scouts, and uh, I, I do believe we've reached out to service clubs. Uh, I'm still new, so... Yeah, but It's, it's um, mostly the scouting uh, yeah. organizations. Yeah, and they'll, they'll come help us, like especially our eco-initiatives. So, you know, we're proud to say that our, our festival is 98% uh, conversion rate. I think last year we had like a half of a dumpster wheeled off to, to the landfill and that's it. Uh, but that's because we get a fleet of people that come and help. And it's funny, like how Richard said, you know, we get them to sort garbage. But that was kind of the reality for the, the Boy Scouts and, and Girl Guides in those clubs is they came and uh, we made a donation to their clubs as a, a thank you. And, and they literally like made sure that uh, our environmental impact was, was positive. And uh, we, we couldn't have done that without them. Uh, but it's interesting, like you talk about that engagement and even in that, like we made a donation to the club uh, and, and, you know, it's not something that they requested or demanded by any stretch. It's something that we felt we needed to do to value the work that they're doing. And I think that that speaks volumes to, especially as you mentioned, the millennials that are coming through and volunteering is you've got to, you can't just treat them like a, a grunt. And, you know, at the end of it, you sign their sheet and say, get out of here. It's, uh, it's about finding those engagement opportunities 
to say that you're a valuable person and to reward them for the work that they've done. And uh, I know personally, I've always liked to find those ways that are special to that person, you know, and it's not always just the, here's a frosted glass plaque for your desk, you know, that, that might not mean anything to them. It's, it's finding those, those ways. And I think if they can see that they're, they're valuable members of your team, they'll want to come back for that experience. So then, then you can get them to pick up garbage. <laughs> yeah, and I, th I think you're right. Finding out what drives the people is the yeah. key to how you get them. I mean, I know at Oktoberfest, we had a lot of people that wanted to have on their resume that they were part of a marketing committee. Well, what they were doing for the festival really wasn't marketing per se. It was more promotions. Yeah. But they did, if, they, if it was going to be called promotions, they didn't want to do it. Right. So, I mean, it, it's part of that, again, the millennial building of a resume and, you know, the limited opportunities to get those type of things on become yeah. a, a risk and reward. Yeah. And, and the millennials, too, like there's a lot of uh, like kind of the social justice pieces that they're all really picking up. And, uh, you know, when you can tap into that, there's uh, so I, I actually I live in Brant County and uh, we have a, a millennial group there called Think Millennial. And. Um, they do similar to podcasts and a television show on Rogers. And, you know, it, their tagline is uh, think millennial, spoiled, entitled and lazy. And, uh, you know, they, they turn that on its head and they talk about some of the social issues that they're tackling and how they're doing that as a community. And, you know, I think that's important if you can attack these people with that collective mind and tap into those social experiences, then they're all for it. They're they're willing to do the work. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's finding the way that speaks to them and engages with them. And it's it's not always easy to do. So, again, a, a large festival over uh, eight days, yeah. nine days. Uh, risk management. Uh, I'm sure liquor is involved, and Richard, I'm sure you're a big part of the. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I have to look the other way. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, of yeah. the planning there. there but. There's no question. Prior to my uh, participating, and I've been with the festival for nine years, and, and programming is my passion. I I did that earlier in my career, but I have to give it to you know the previous ED and and uh, the team and building uh, a risk manual and a security manual, and uh, so some really good work went into that. And I think, you know, we're fine-tuning it. Miles having a chance to educate himself on it. But, um, you know, any festival that isn't being proactive is just asking for, for lawsuits and trouble. So, uh, you know, I, I'm pleased to say I think we're in a good place there. Yeah, and we were talking earlier to Steve Schmader from Festival uh, International Festivals and Events Association. He's the president and CEO. He was our keynote speaker at our conference. And, and, and he's concerned that we're spending so much time on risk management and <laughs> rightly so yeah. that we're losing the creativity of some of our festivals yeah. and our ability to try yeah. and do different things because the risk factors and the mitigating cir circumstances are such I that everybody's the, become risk averse. Yeah. And I think that limits your volunteerism, right? So it's like, welcome, have fun, come and see these artists, have a great time. Please read this 87 page <laughs> manual and sign off here and log in and take this course, this course, this course. Like it, it is over the top and it does scare some people away. Yeah. And, and I don't want to do that, but you know, we've created that and, and to lower risk, you have to do it. But there's the line of what, why some people, well, I just wanted to show up and you know help with parking and i got to do this and sign this so it, it is a challenge i don't know where the balance is but uh it's this you know if you want insurance and, and want to be risk averse you've got to have these things in place so you know miles is a guy who gets to deliver it and i'm sure he yeah. feels the the pain with that yeah and you know like coming from big brothers big sisters where you know working with uh extremely high risk youth 
uh, we would see that all the time where, where potential mentors would come in and say like, yeah, you know, I, I'm really excited. I want to get out there and, and get a mentee and go do some fun things. And, you know, we'd slap down a phone book of papers and say, start signing. Uh, and, and yeah, people don't want to do it. Like they, it's human nature, right? And it's a, it's actually the same philosophy when it comes to charitable giving is people want the path of least resistance and you need to make it as easy as possible to get them to do what you want them to do. The more steps, the more likely you're going to lose people each step of the way. So I think like when it comes to us and as we're talking about risk management, I mean, A, you need to define what is a risk to you, um, you know, and for us, there's a whole varying assortment of different types of risk from, you know, even the, the artists that we pick. Well, is that person a risk in terms of ticket sales and, uh, you know, business planning? Um, and then, yeah, you get into things like, uh, well, the whole cannabis debate. And, you know, is that something that we even want to take on? Is cannabis now a part of the event? And so, yeah, it's all in about how you perceive risk, um, you know, the the board and how your board is, is supportive of that kind of risk. Uh, and then, just kind of creating as simplified of a program as you can that you are going to be handing out. Because again, if it's a multi-step program, you're guaranteed you will lose people at every single step. And they're going to say, yeah, I just, I just wanted to volunteer. That's all I wanted to do. Why is this so hard? And so same with giving, you know, I, I just wanted to give you money. Why is this so hard? <laughs> so it's, it's keeping it simple and it, uh, it tends to work it, to the, for the most part. And obviously for a festival that's been around 40 years, your relationship with the municipality of Burlington must be a good one yeah i think there's no question and, and even with the most recent municipal election and, and miles kind of coming on in the midst of that or tail end of that so he's had a chance to connect with the city and, and connect with the politicians and you know that's been a journey for him as he kind of builds those relationships but uh, there's no question that you know without support of burlington council without support and, and their funding and you know but it's a partnership and, and you have to always remember that and that's a big part of of, of the role of our ed and and uh you know, get out in the community and meet uh, the, the players in the chamber and build those relationships. And I think um, he's doing a great job so far for us. I always remember at Oktoberfest and some civic leaders would always say that, you know, we're fortunate to be recognized for Oktoberfest as you guys are for the Sound of Music. And if you didn't have that vehicle, those same people would be sitting in a room. What can we do to create something mm -hmm. like that? So you know, instead of spending that time, it's how do we maintain and how do we build and sure. grow? and yeah. Yeah. And how do we make it better? And, and that's what it's all about. You know, uh, we have a group of people that get together for the love of music and for the love of their city. Um, but we, you know, we want to work together and make sure we all continue to love it. Because, you know, when you've given up eight days of your own life and personal time off uh, and, and people at personal expense are putting themselves in hotels, like it's it's quite an ass. So we want to make sure that uh, that they enjoy it. The community enjoys it. And, and uh, 40 years must means they are. So that's a good thing. <laughs> We've, we're talking to Miles Rusick, uh, the ED of Sound of Music, and Richard Anderson, one of the board members. Back in just a minute with Theo on the air. Festivals and Events Ontario supports a lively, engaged, and dedicated festival and events industry. Purchase your Festivals and Events Ontario membership today and get a team of people working to help you succeed. Here's just a few benefits that membership provides. Promotion, saving money, networking, industry awards, supplier discounts, communications, skills development, and so much more. So many benefits, so little cost. Buy your membership today. Contact us now, Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. Welcome back. Theo on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. 
Hello and welcome back to you on the air. Miles Rusick, the executive director of the Burlington Sound of Music, and Richard Anderson, one of the board members, are with us today. Uh, Miles, four months on the job, you're kind of in the hot seat. Hot seat. Uh, it's all coming about sooner than you think. Where do you see this festival moving from here? Yeah, yeah. You know. Um one thing that I really want us to work on going forward is, you know, we are very much the Burlington Sound of Music Festival. And uh, what, what the vision that I have is that we become the Burlington Sound of Music. You know, we are a year-round uh, thing. We, we're going to collaborate with local groups. We're going to find ways to help emerging artists and work with local musicians and really try to elevate the next generation of musicians. And I, I think that that's a role that we as a, a trusted name in this industry can really take on so that you know the festival will always be 90 percent of, of what we do and it will always be us but i don't want that to be the the defining feature i, I want us to be known as this year-round musical vessel that's that's that is truly trying to elevate these artists and you know through that we're going to be out there building all kinds of new collaborations and partnerships and uh, looking at, at other local musical organizations performing arts um, there is so much great work being done out there. And I always say that the more people that are shouting the same thing, the louder we're going to be. So that's where uh, I, I do see us as, as this kind of musical hub in the community. And yeah, I get like pins and needles thinking about it, of all the, the kind of crazy and fun things that we can do with these artists. And you know, I think back early in, uh, in my days of being a young musician and playing the pub bands and all those kinds of things. And, you know, I had no idea what to do and where to go and how to do it. And so that's, that's the kind of role that I think the Sound of Music can play, where we can help those young people really understand what a career would be and, and hopefully kind of push them in the right direction that's, that's safe and uh, effective. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of excited about that. And then all the while, delivering an amazing party at our, uh, at our festival, which is what we will always commit to do. Uh, for anybody that's looking for tickets or wants to come yeah. out and, and see what's happening, where should they go? Soundofmusic.ca. All of the information is up there. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. But uh, soundofmusic.ca is certainly where all the info can be found. Richard and Miles, thanks for joining us today. Glad to hear a lot about the Sound of Music. And we'll look forward to talking about you after the festival and see how the plans for the future are coming. Thanks for stopping by. great. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to Feel on the Air, the voice of festivals and events in Ontario. Festivals and Events Ontario has entered the world of podcasting with Theo on the air. Join us as we sit down and chat with the movers and shakers of the festivals and events community. The goal is to share insight, advice, planning techniques, and overall strategy with you, our Theo members. On the next podcast, would you like us to interview someone specific, cover a particular topic, answer a question? Let us know. Theo on the air wants to give you what you need to succeed. Contact us now, Dave at festivalsandeventsontario.ca.